As I've told you before, I'm a little hard of hearing. I have hearing loss, so sometimes I can't hear myself, which times it's pretty good. <laughs> and my wife says, it's good that you can't hear yourself. <laughs> anyway, God is great in what he does. And in the reading the scripture, you know, we look at the scripture and we, we kind of, you know, want to take it and reverence and everything. Sometimes I look at the scripture and I want to look at it in, in, a, in, a, in a humorous way. And I'll tell you what that's all about in just a second. <clears throat> Open my paperwork here, my outline. Uh, I was talking to a friend of mine. I, you know, uh, he actually is one of, the, one of the leaders at my previous church. <clears throat> and we were talking on the phone. We joke around on the phone quite a bit. And we would, you know, I would, he would answer the phone as if I was calling him. And, and uh, he would say, uh, hey, pastor, or hey, brother, or how you doing, and this and that. And uh, when uh, he would call me, I would do the same thing. It was just, uh, you know, a way to introduce each other and talk to each other once again because we enjoyed doing that. And uh, in the scripture where it says about, uh, you know, he calls us brothers. He's not ashamed to call us brothers, right? Well, one day I called my brother in Christ, and uh, he was at work. He was at the office. And uh, he answered the phone. It was a cell phone, it wasn't the office phone. And uh, he said, uh, I said, hey, brother, how's it going? You know, good to hear you. You know, maybe we should have, go have some lunch. And I wasn't hearing anything. All of a sudden, he said, can I help you? <laughs> and I was thinking, maybe somebody's next to him. Maybe, maybe he's got a supervisor that's sitting right next to him, and he doesn't want to really say, hey, pastor. <laughs> or, hey, brother, how you doing? Uh, that was the one and only time I think he was ashamed to call me brother. But uh, we laughed about it later on in other conversations. But this morning, <clears throat> you know, starting off on a, on a humorous note, <clears throat> but we always end up with God's word, and I'm sure you know this, with God's word, we, all, we always end up at the cross, right? We always end up where God has uh, sent his son to read his son to redeem us from the things that, you know, we have gone astray with. Amen? In some ways, you know, we can call this sermon redemption. We can call it, you know, God's purpose through redemption. Uh, we can also call it that we have a faithful high priest. How about that? You know, we could, we could give it that title. But titles are here and there. They come and go. And uh, even titles with, uh, with pastors or or, or reverends or anything like that. One of my first churches, when I first started preaching, uh, one of the members of the church came to me and said, Reverend Benavides, could you do this for me? And I said, well, let's stop there. Could you please not call me reverend? I feel like I, I, feel like I have to, um, you know, <clears throat> be untarnished and, and just, I'm a man just like you. And I want and I have the redemption of Jesus Christ. His blood is on my soul. And that is something that I cherish every day of my life. And when given the opportunity, thank you, Pastor Brad, for giving me the opportunity to preach, it, it, it warms my soul because I am able, I will be able to share with you from God's word. And God's word is, there's no error in it. Amen? There's no error in God's word. I mean, I, I had a good friend of mine, this same friend, uh, was witnessing to his... Uh, to his sister one day, 
as he normally does throughout their lifetime, and, and his older sister, by the way. And uh, one day, his, he, he was recounting the story to me, and he said, you know, my sister told me something odd today. And I said, what's that, brother? She said that some things in the Bible are true, but other things not so much. I said, okay, so you pick into kind of, a, kind of like a buffet, right? You go to the buffet, you know, you like crab, you'll eat the crab, but you won't eat the steak. I mean, what is, what is crab without steak? Or what is steak without crab? You got to have both, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, you can't pick and choose, right? We as God's people should not be able to pick and choose. We have to take it in its entirety, right? In, in, in its entirety. The book of Hebrews is proclaimed to help Christians, right? We're looking in the book of Hebrews this morning who are, as Christians, who are suffering not to give up. There, there's a great temptation, I think, within, uh, within Christians to give up on God and just throw away your hope when times get a little hard. Isn't that right? Didn't hear any amens, but maybe, yeah. Some nodding heads, right? I like a hearty amen every once in a while amen. as a pastor. Uh, because what happens when I hear a hearty amen, it says, maybe you're listening or you just want to give me a hand up, right? But, uh, and I've heard some preachers say, um, you know, can somebody tell me suffering? And you'll repeat, suffering. suffering. Okay, thank you. So, we got a ways to go on that. But <laughs> there's a great temptation to give up on God and throw away your hope when times are hard. And, and it's true. We're all human. We all have experienced that. We all have probably gone through those situations in our life, especially when the difficult is for being a Christian. You know, you hear people, you talk to people on the street, talking to a gentleman. Uh, yesterday as we were doing the, uh, uh, the prayer walk, yesterday that my wife and I and my youngest granddaughter participated in, it was, it was great. I mean, it was a good time just to walk down the streets and actually see people's houses, you know, because when you're driving, you really don't see much. But I think uh, what Eric and the team are doing with the prayer walks is amazing. But here's the thing, and Eric will agree with me on this. There's not enough of us. Amen. Even though, there you go, I got it right. Got it. So even though... Uh, you know, it's a small town here. Some of you have been lived here all your lives, right? Some of you have, know every street. You could name every street in this city, uh, within the city limits, possibly. But yet, there's not, in, there's not enough workers to do the work. And that's what, that's what we need to do. So in speaking to this gentleman that I found on the track over there at the gazebo, I forget what street it is, but uh, there's a track that goes around the gazebo there in a little park. And in speaking to him, you know, I always find an op try to find an opportunity to talk to a total stranger. Because in talking to a total stranger, I learn a lot of things. If I talk to my grandkids, I already know. If I talk to my wife, forget about it. I mean, we already know everything. So in talking to a stranger, I mean, that's, that's fun. I mean, I mean, that's enjoyable. I didn't want to stop the gentleman because he was going at a pretty good clip. You know, he was walking. But I stopped. I mean, I didn't stop. I just said, hey, how many times around the circle to make a mile? Not that I'm going to join you, but how many times? <laughs> and he said, four times makes a mile. 
No, five times makes a mile. I'm sorry. He said, five times around the circle will make a mile. And I said, and how many miles do you? And he stopped at that point. And he said, how many miles do you do? He goes, sometimes three, sometimes four. I'll come back in the afternoon. And it's funny how people are, that they'll just stop and they'll tell you a lot. And he just kept talking. My granddaughter was there. My wife was there. We were just listening to him. He was recounting the story of his stroke and how God had changed his life and how now he needed to walk and he needed to do all these things, right? And, and the fact of going on that prayer walk was just so exciting because of that one man that I was able to speak to. I don't even know his name because I forgot to ask him his name. I was just so enthralled in his story of how God brought him from near death to now he's a triathlete, almost. And he's, and he's older than I am, you know? Well, that's pretty old. But, so what I'm saying here is, there shouldn't be any reason to give up. You know, I see in this man uh, some, um, some uh, excitement for myself because about a month ago, my cardiologist said, you need to walk fast-paced, 30 minutes a day. I said, a day or every other day? <laughs> he said, no, daily, including Sundays, he said. I said, well, that's going to be kind of hard because on Sundays I'm pretty busy. But uh, so what, what I'm trying to say is we are not to give up because as Christians, we are destined for glory and honor. And because we belong to God's family, Jesus is not ashamed of us. So why should we be ashamed of Jesus? We should never be ashamed of who Jesus is, right? Now, the writer of Hebrews wants us to see Jesus in another light so that we will not give up but understand that we have the help that we need. <clears throat> so the son became human. <clears throat> Verse 14, the writer of Hebrews wants us to carefully consider what Jesus has done for us. In verse 14, he proclaims that the reason Jesus had to come to become human so that he could die. I mean, how else are you going to die if you're not human like we are, right? That's the reason he came. Jesus had to become flesh and blood like us so that he could experience death. He had to share in our humanity, a critical point that the writer of Hebrews will make on a number of occasions if you read the whole book, which we should, but not stop with this point as often as we do, right? There was something Jesus was doing by becoming human and dying the way he did Notice that Jesus became human and died so that he could break the power of what? The power of the devil that had a hold on death. The cross, though, go back to the cross, right? The cross accomplishes the purpose of rendering the power of the devil inoperative. Jesus has nullified the work of the devil. In short, death was the prescription for victory, and the only way the Son could accomplish this was to become human and die for us. Redemption. Amen? Redemption. The power of death could not only be undone through death. Jesus died on the cross, takes the devil's power, and nullifies it. Nullifies it. Does away with it. Right? And we're reminded every time that we see a cross on someone's neck without Jesus hanging on it, by the way. Jesus was there, but he's not there anymore. Amen? Amen. 
I mean, that should be, that should be reason for victory for, uh, for all of us, right, as Christians. And to be able to share that with those that maybe don't believe. Or maybe believe a little bit, or like my friend's sister, eh, parts of the Bible, yes, parts of the other parts, no. You know, we, we either believe or we don't, amen? So here in the second part of this is the result. The son became human, and now we have the result. Now, what does this do for us? The writer of Hebrews expresses how this helps us in verse 15 through 16. The result of nullifying the devil's power as they were free from the fear of death. Free from the fear of death. Death no longer paralyzes the believer. I need a hearty amen on that one if you're a believer. It doesn't paralyze me. It used to when I was a kid before I knew who Jesus was in my life. It used to paralyze me. And I was a kid. I was like 10, 11, 12. I, I remember those days thinking that. But then I went to this little church in, in Corpus Christi, Texas, that my brother had told my mother to go. And my mother, being the mom that she is, took her little children to church. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior as an eight-year-old. Imagine that. Imagine how impactful the story of Jesus was in Sunday school and in those days in that church. And the following Sunday, I was baptized as a believer. But I still had a question about death. You know, I was a kid. I was a child, right? And the, the result here is, what is the biggest fear for a human? Without question, is death, Right? Death is, great, is the greatest fear for humanity. In particular, there's not so much the fear of dying, but the effect of dying. Because once we die, that's it, if you're, if you're not a believer. But if you're a believer, there's hope, there's, uh, there's celebration, there's all kinds of things that we can think about that we can do. As we, you know, we, we want to be here, but if you know, it's our time, then we are in the hands of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, <clears throat> once we are physically dead, there is no escape from spiritual death. The cross takes the greatest fear of humanity and solves the problem. So, here's the thing that I believe we could do from the missionaries in other countries that they're uh, miraculously doing with, uh, you know, with people that society kind of just throws away, right? Did you know that in this city there's people in this little town that people just kind of dismiss? Yeah, I, b I believe there is. I believe there is. But why? Why, why, is, why is that the case? And, and, and here, here's, here I think is the reason for it is one, we don't have or some people don't have that hope in Jesus Christ. Some people don't have that certainty of where they will be after death. See, if you have a certainty of you knowing where you're going to be after death, that you're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, that the cross paid it all for us, amen, that the cross paid it all for us, then we know for certain, and there's no fear. Yeah, we're going to miss people, of course. We're going to miss our loved ones and, 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 and all of that. But, but Paul says it, proclaimed it for hope and endurance as well. In 1 Corinthians 15, he says, when the perishable perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality. 
Then shall come to pass the saying that is written, written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, he says, my beloved brothers. See, Paul's not ashamed of us either. He calls us brothers. Brothers and sisters, right? He's not ashamed of us either. He says, uh, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable. I don't know about that immovable part. See some empty seats in here this morning. Don't tell them I said that, okay? So. <laughs> Sometimes I know people probably, you know, uh, as pastors, sure Pastor Brad can agree with me on this, we, we have some pretty harsh critics sometimes. You know, sometimes people kind of go heavy on us and say, well, why did he say that? And my harshest critic is my wife. But um, <laughs> always abounding in the work of the Lord, he says, knowing that in the Lord, guess what? Our labor is not in vain. Eric, our, our labor out there yesterday, it was fruitful labor. It was not in vain. Because somebody knew, somebody saw us. And there was another story, uh, a lady from uh, Terrace, uh, Terrace Street Apartments, right down, down the street here. My wife and I, my granddaughter, are walking around the, the complex there, just kind of walking through the streets, praying. And this lady sneaks around the corner from her patio, the back patio. And I could see her in the distance. And she looks, and then she goes back. And then she looks over around the corner, and she scoots back. And I told my wife, to pretend like you didn't see her. <laughs> and she goes, where? And she looks right at her. <laughs> Never works. <laughs> but anyway, she finally asked the question, because I, I, started, I started looking at her, and I kind of waved, right? And um, so that wave broke the ice. She says, what are y'all doing out there? I said, well, man, we'll just, you know, walk in the streets and, and praying for people. And she goes, oh, okay, I'm going inside. <laughs> it, was, it was a little cool out there. But, uh, but well, what's the result? What, what's the result of that labor not being in vain? It was, it was a beautiful thing, right? And even more so because my granddaughter was able to experience something that she's never experienced before. And, and it's truly amazing how we can teach our kids and grandkids the power of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus brings us to be his brothers and sisters in Christ. Notice that the point of knowing that the sting of death is removed is that we can endure. Endurance, right? Now, as a 62-year-old walking around that track, my endurance is probably going to be three and, a, three and a half laps, not miles, laps, right? Possibly for me. But with time, right, I could probably make the five laps, and then I could probably do another five, make, you know, make two miles, whatever. <clears throat> and here's the thing. As Christians, we are to do the same, right? Because Christ loved us so much that he gave his life for us, he redeemed us with his blood that we, we are able to endure, it says. We're able to endure. We can continue to be faithful to the Lord because 
the fear of judgment after death is gone. Right? Jesus makes the same point to suffering Christians in the book of Revelation. He says this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me saying, fear not. How many times have we heard that in the Bible? Fear not. Right? I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forever. And then he says, no, I didn't bring my keys. And I have the keys of death and Hades. So why should we fear? Why should we worry about anything, right? If Jesus holds again. You see that Jesus is a trailblazer and pioneer of our faith. He died and lives forever. And the same will happen to us because Jesus has the keys of death and Hades. Death does not separate us from the love of God. Death does not intimidate us or frighten us. For there will not be punishment with our death. Jesus is our champion who has defeated the enemy and has set us free from fear. Free from fear. In verse 16, you see that the point is that this is also the help we need. Jesus became human to help us. Not to help himself. He came to help us. The word help means to take hold of someone with the idea of helping them. The scriptures picture God taking hold of the people of Israel, bringing them by the hand, right? Leading them out of the slavery of death and bringing them to glory as he does with us, right? As he does with us. God has taken hold of us through the death of Jesus so that we no longer have to fear death. In particular, we do not have to fear what people can do to us for being a Christian. Why should we have to fear? Why should we be ashamed of who Jesus Christ is in our lives? We shouldn't, right? Amen? We should be able to stand up and say, hey, if you want to call me a Jesus freak, I am. Okay. So you win. You called me a name. But it's the greatest name, right? I mean, I wouldn't be ashamed of that. And so in verse 17, he is our great high priest. Now this brings us to the grand point about how Jesus helps us. If Jesus was going to take hold of us and guide us by the hand, it was fitting for him to become like us in every way. He had to be like us in every way. How else would he know? I mean, was Jesus a child? Yes. Was Jesus a teenager? Young people, was he a teenager? Yes. So young people and adults. He was an adult too. Why can't we come with, to him? He knows exactly what we're going through. He's been there, right? So why shouldn't we be able to, to go to him and say, Jesus, I know you've been here. You've done that. Just like, my, just like my parents say or whatever. Can you just help me through the situation I'm going through? And guess what? He will. But we have to call on him to do it. Amen? It was necessary for the son to assume the humanity God's people to be their high priest and do what priests do, represent them in things pertaining to God. But what would the high priest do? This was before Jesus, right? What would the high priest do in order to help the people? What did they have to do first in order for, the people to, for them to help the people um, you know, sacrifice for their sins? They had to do their own first. They had to be like the people in order to help the people. So Jesus is like us, and he helps us, and he is 
our high priest. Jesus became human. He had to be like us completely. He had to be fully human. He had to be like us in every aspect. Now Jesus can represent us because he experienced things like we experience. He can stand before God on our behalf. Now he stands as the merciful and faithful high priest through what he experienced and suffered. He is merciful because he cleanses people of their sins and brings them into God's presence. He is faithful in his loyalty to God and dependable as a savior of God's people. Now, how does this help us exactly? I mean, I've talked, what, 20 minutes? I don't know how long I've talked. But uh, <laughs> how does this help us exactly? I mean, what does it do for us? Why does Jesus becoming human and experience what he, what he experienced help us? And we'll look at the last, the last verse. For because he himself suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Now, there might be someone in here this morning, right now, right now, right here at this moment, that might be being tempted. You might be being tempted to, or maybe you already did. Deep. Shut me out. And that's okay, I'm not offended. Uh, thick skin, you know. Those kind of things. I'm not offended if you shut me out already. But here's the thing. You're not shutting me out. You're shutting out the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a way to kind of open those ears up again. Because if you heard what I just said, you just opened them up. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so, uh, so how does he help us when we're tempted? Jesus suffered and suffered when he was tested. He was tested. He was tempted, making him able to, to, for him to know how we are tempted and tested. Jesus can fully sympathize without, with what we are experiencing. But we need to allow here what the writer of Hebrews is telling us so we can have the encouragement to, in, to the endurance that we need. Because we need endurance. We need to walk that track uh, more than just one time. Right? We need to walk it a little more, a little more often in order to be able. So, so my whole point in saying this is, <coughs> you know, where are we when it comes to reading the Bible, to praying, to, uh, to, to going out on prayer walks, to doing this, to doing that, that God wants us and wants us to accomplish in our lives so that we will be, be better able not to serve him, but to serve others, because that's what it's all about, right? It's not about me. It's about them out there, just like the international missionaries. I mean, if you look, looked at that couple, and I think they had kids. I'm not sure if they had kids with them on that mission, as missionaries. Can anybody say that that's not a hard life? So what do the missionaries do? You think they live in like in a hotel or a grand palace or something? Uh, for the king or the president over there in that country, they're living right with the people. I mean, they're, they're doing the same things that the people are doing. How else would they be able to help those people if they don't eat the same foods? I mean, they want to feed them crickets or whatever they eat, and, and you think they're going to not eat that food? Quick story, illustration on, I don't know, some of you know that my father-in-law was a, was a, a, a Hispanic Baptist preacher for 45 plus years. 
And he gave, he gave his life for, for people. But he was invited to a, a, a dinner somewhere in, in Mexico, deep, deep Mexico, uh, where Indians live. I forget what, what the tribe was or whatever. He, t- he took the invitation. You know, pastors always take invitations. I mean, we love invitations. Invite me somewhere, I'm there. Just give me a time, place, I'm there. <laughs> so he would go, right? And he went to this place, and he comes back, and he tells a story of how they, how they ate, the things that they were eating. And my father-in-law was there sharing with us the story, and he was talking in Spanish because that's what they t- spoke in those days. And, and he said, yeah, and, and the, ho- the hostess told my father-in-law, he said, she said, uh, how did you like it? And she called it mono. She said, how did you like Como le gustó el mono, hermano? Como le gustó? And my father was, yeah, está muy sabroso. It was good, you know. And then, and then the lady said, usted no sabe que es mono, verdad, hermano? You don't know what mono is. And he goes, what, tasted good? <laughs> That's all he knew, it tasted good. And then somebody from the States nudged at him and said, you're eating monkey. But my father-in-law kept a straight face. He said, I had to keep a straight face. I couldn't offend anyone. I could not uh, excuse myself and go to the bathroom or anything. He said, I sat there and took it. Guess what, folks? Jesus sat there, stood on the, was nailed on the cross, and he took that for us. And, and, and we're ashamed to call him Jesus sometimes. You know, we're, 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 we're difficult and, and we don't want to endure the things that, that, that we need to go through, the difficulties sometimes. I mean, if our life here in the States is difficult, can you imagine those Embraer people, what they have to go through? I mean, I, I never knew, I mean, this first time I've seen that video and it, it's, it's touching. It's amazing. But here's the point. A doctor is a little bit more understanding, right, if the doctor has also experienced the condition that we're talking about, right? My cardiologist doesn't understand. He tells me, you know, walk 30 miles, and, I mean, you haven't seen him. But anyway, you know, I'm thinking you need to walk a few uh, miles, too. (laughs) I didn't say that. (laughs) I didn't tell him that. But here's my point. So, so my wife suffers from arthritis, right? And so uh, somebody gave her a name of a great, uh, uh, what are they called? Rheumatologist, right? Rheumatologist in New Brunswick. So she signed up, and this is a couple of years back. And so, uh, you know, I said, you know what? I'm, it's it's going to be a short appointment. I'll wait for you in the car. You know, I just wait in the car, do my work, whatever, on my phone. <laughs> so... About an hour and a half later, I hear a knock on the window, but by that time, I'm asleep, right? <laughs> I'm asleep. I'm taking a nap. <laughs> and she comes, knocks on the window, I open the door, she gets in, and I said, oh, were you in the waiting room a long time? <clears throat> you know how doctors normally do, leave you in the waiting room for about 30 minutes, uh, and then in the office another 30 minutes, and, and, she goes, and she goes, no, we had actually had a very fulfilling conversation. I said, oh, really? Can you tell me a little conversation? Because I've been in the car here sitting for about an hour and a half. And I would hear, like to hear some justification for me being here. But anyway, so, so she says, 
She suffers the same things I do. She has arthritis. She's cold at night and warm in the morning. And midway through the night, you know, she's this and cold. And her husband doesn't like for her to touch her with his feet because they're super cold, icy cold. And I'm going, you're kidding me. Are you serious? You actually found a doctor that understands everything you're going through. And she goes, yeah, that's what we were talking for like an hour and a half. She's, she's good. <laughs> so uh, understanding what one is going through if you've been through it yourself. My wife, and I, my wife and I are going on 44 years. We've had three kids. Well, she's had three kids. And uh, I have no idea what she goes through. I, I, I have no idea because I cannot experience what she experienced. Another woman can experience. She knows exactly what they've been through. They know exactly what they're going through. The, you know, you can sympathize with them. So here's the thing. Jesus, as our high priest, can sympathize with us because he's been through that. He's been through it all, right? So then we need to, therefore, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Whatever you're struggling with right now, Jesus does understand. Young people, he does understand what you're going through. I know you're looking at me like, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Yep. I was a young person at one point, too, you can, if you want to believe that, I was. <laughs> and I was sitting in church as a young person, too. That's why I met my wife. Amen to that, right? We were 15 when we met in church. Best place to meet someone. Don't get any ideas, guys, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I, I, you know, Jesus understands our situation, Right? He understands everything that we're going through. Adults, the same way. So what's the point, Pastor? What are you trying to say? Jesus did suffer. He did hurt. He experienced life just like we experienced life. You have the help you need to, to turn to him. We have the help. We just have to ask for it. Jesus understands the power of temptations. Do not give up on your faith. Don't give up. When it gets hard, you know what? Keep going. Keep persevering. Keep, keep moving through it. You know, when, when someone criticizes you for your belief, you know why? You tell them, this is what I believe. And I'm going to stand for it. And I'm going to say that Jesus is my Savior. I'm going to say that Jesus is my Lord. Because without him, I would be nothing today. And in my case, that, that's the truth, folks. Without Jesus in my life, I don't know where I would be. Quick, quick story. The reason I like to give real-life illustrations is so that can, people can better understand. I was 15 years old. And I know you're going to say, well, I thought you were saved at 8 years old, Pastor. What happened when you were 15? What happens, guys, when we're 15, 16? A lot of stuff happens. Life happens, right? And as a young kid, I thought I was invincible. We're running with some, with some guys from the, from the farms, because that's where we lived, on the farms. I mean, it's not like we lived next door to each other. Like, one, one of my friends was 10 miles away, 5 miles away. It was far. And one of the guys had a car. And I said, wow, you got a car? Let's all go riding in the car, right? Let's go have fun in the car, right? Yeah, just like young people do. And it, it was fun. We were out riding around and doing things we shouldn't have been doing. 
dropped off some of the guys, and they were coming up on my house on the country. And the two guys in front said, hey, Jerry, you want to go with us into town? We're going to go do some stuff in town. And we're coming up to the house. Something told me, and I know it was God, something told me, God told me, he said, you better stop and get off because your mom's waiting for you. And I knew she was waiting for me. I don't know what she was waiting for me with, <laughs> but, but I knew she was still awake. She was a, a mom of moms, right? And I said, no, I'm going to take my chances now because the later I stay out, the more it's going to hurt, right? <laughs> so I said, just drop me off. So God dropped off, went to bed, you know, had the conversation with my mother. Uh, <clears throat> and next morning, one of my friends calls me. And by the way, young people, we didn't have cell phones. They actually called them that phone on the wall that has a little dial that goes like this. And the cord was about from there to there. <laughs> so my mom answers the phone. It's one of your friends. And said, you're not going out tonight. Okay, mom. So I don't want she had to throw that in. But anyway, so I answered the phone and said, hey, you're okay. I said, what do you mean I'm okay? Well, what's going on? What happened? Well, uh... I think Rudy and Charles were the names of the two guys. Rudy and Charles were in a bad accident last night. I said, really? So what happened? Well, it, you didn't hear it? It was just down the road from where you live on a curve. I said, what happened? The back end of the car got totaled and was in the middle of the grain field. That's where I was sitting. Is God amazing? in the plans that he has for our lives, young people? Is God amazing in the things that he does for us? He redeems us with his, he has redeemed us with his blood, and he, ha, he carries us like a little baby. I heard a little baby this morning. I don't know if he's still here. But I, I love the sound of, a, of a, a little baby crying. You know why? Because they need help. Right? Sometimes us as Christians can be like that little baby, right? We're crying out for help. We're crying out for someone to listen to us. We're crying out for, for someone to understand what we're doing. Jesus understands. And all we have to do is bow our head and pray to him and tell, Jesus, would you please help me today? And with that, we'll bow our heads and close our eyes so we can pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time once again, Lord, that you have brought us here today to just share uh, the word with your people today, Lord. And Lord, we just uh, know and understand that you became human, not for you, but for us. That you became human so that you would know what it was like for us to be tempted and tested. God, we're here this morning. And maybe, maybe this morning, every head bowed, every eye closed, maybe this morning someone is here and, 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 and God is just, is just tugging at your heart. Maybe, maybe, he's, maybe God is, is saying, you know, maybe this is the message that, that you needed to hear today or that we needed to hear. All of us need to hear messages. 
And if today is the day where you start to trust Jesus Christ even more, that today would be the day of salvation. That today you would decide, you know, Pastor, yeah, maybe, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time that I start standing up for who Jesus is in my life. Maybe it's time that I start to not be ashamed of, of who I am and, and, you know, not be ashamed of, of family or friends or, or people in my life. And as Eric uh, plays some music, maybe you're here this morning, maybe you just, maybe you just want, you, you need to come to the front and just kneel and pray. You can kneel here at, the, at one of the first bench here. You can come and kneel. You can come and stand. Sometimes we just need to pray. Maybe you don't, you don't want to talk to a pastor. That's okay. But maybe you need to pray. No one else is looking around. Everybody should have their head bowed, eyes closed. But if you need to come, come this morning. Come and ask, and ask God to heal. Come and ask God to, um, to bring about that change that is so needed. Maybe in your life, maybe, maybe you know someone that you, you, you need to pray for. And you say, you know what, Pastor, I can pray right here. I understand. You can. You can pray wherever you're at. Sometimes, you know, just coming to the front and allowing God to work on your heart really, really can make a difference.